Father, we had asked that your blessing would be upon the message today, that everything that we do would glorify you. We thank you for the opportunities that you have given to us as a church, and help us, Lord, to be faithful uh, as these men were who went, and we pray that we could be faithful in the same way in the future. We ask for opportunity, and we know if it's according to your will, whenever we ask, we receive it. And so, Father, we thank you in advance. We ask for your blessing on this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, just an announcement or two before we get started. The uh, Wednesday night youth uh, in August, now the first week of August we have the VBS, but the Wednesday night youth will be moving to Thursday, and Thursday home Bible study will currently meet down at the church here. We are going to finish up the book of Daniel at the Bible study, and once we're done with the book of Daniel... We're going to go down here, and the first uh, teaching that I'm going to have in this basic foundations class, it will last for a while. There's a lot to go through, but I'm going to deal with homosexuality and the response of the Christian church, how we should respond to this, because society is changing. It's not what we expect as the norm anymore. The new norm is quite different from the way it was 20, 10, 20, 30 years ago. So we need to have a proper response, one that would be glorifying to God. Okay, let's see what do I have down here. First, uh, before we get into the overhead, uh, could you bring the lights back up just a little bit? I think you sat on those and they have gone down. Thank you. I appreciate that. <clears throat> now, in our trip, when we took off, we uh, left for the airport, LAX. We had a shuttle that we took and we went up to LA and we waited there and left, I believe, it. One o'clock in the morning. Where's Dustin and Nate? Nate, where's Dustin? Or, excuse me, Nate. <laughs> Dustin, I know I'm still kind of hazy from that trip. Is Nate here? Oh, is he feeling? He was certain. Yeah, he was pretty sick on the plane coming over. Quite a trooper. I smelled the cough the whole way back, 12 hours. So he was right behind me. It was great. <laughs> excuse me. So anyhow. Uh, we went over there and we stopped in Taipei and in Taipei, uh, you know, we hung out in the airport for a little while before we made our transfer down to Phnom Penh. And when we were in the airport there, we are noticing a few things. And by the way, the airports, my experience, like Seoul, South Korea and Taipei, uh, the airports compared to our airports here in the United States. They are just head and shoulders, especially South Korea that I went to last time. They have everything. It's almost like Disneyland. It's almost like you want to visit just to go to the airports because they're so cool, uh, what they have over there. But anyhow, when we were there, we saw these prayer rooms that were set up. And one was for a Christian, and it had the symbol of a cross on it. The other was for a Muslim, and it had the moon and the star on it. And you took some pictures of that, didn't you, Dustin? Eric took some pictures. And then you had the Hindu prayer room, and that Hindu prayer room, it had a swastika on it. And that is the symbol for peace in Hinduism. And, you know, each, each one of these, one's for Christ and one's for Muhammad. And then I guess the greatest adherent that we would remember would be Gandhi that was a Hindu. And Gandhi, he walked barefoot most of the time and had calluses on his feet, and he was frail because of his odd diet, which gave him extremely bad breath, they say. And it, it was probably true. I know I saw a program on 60 Minutes when he was still alive. 
that he used to drink his own urine as well. Yeah, so, you know, because of all of these things, it made him a super callous, fragile, mystic hex by halitosis is what it made him. <laughs> At least most of you got that. That's good. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, for those <coughs> who don't know that we just got back, um, what we did over there, it was just a, a wonderful thing. It was a blessing beyond all blessings. God hand, God's hand was upon the entire event, the entire trip, and it wasn't without its trials. There were trials for most before we left, while we were there, and certainly now after we have come back, Nate is still, I think, a victim of that. It was myself, it was Eric, it was Dustin, and it was Nate. And what we did is we had what was known as a medical mission. We first had evangelism taking place. Then we had, I need to explain what we did with that. We had Pastor Hung, and you'll see a picture of him in a minute, but Pastor Hung set everything up. He was the one that got us the hotels. And when we got there, he had talked to the pastors, and the pastors had told the people in these villages, and these were true villages. You know, when you hear of a village, you think, well, what was a village where there's dirt everywhere? Yeah, it was kind of like that. People were poor, livestock running around everywhere. And so he set this up, and the pastors, they would usually come to the hotel, and we'd follow them on a scooter. They would be on the scooter. We'd be in the vehicle. And once we would get there, we would tell everybody there's going to be three cards. And I think I have one picture in there where Pastor Hung is holding up the cards. And one of the cards would be red, one would be yellow, and one would be green. The red was for the eyesight. We would remember it by red eye. It's actually a pink or a fuchsia color. But then there was green, and green was for medication. And then we had yellow, and yellow was for dental. Yellow teeth, that type of thing. That's how we remembered the cards. It would start out, they would get a number. We would give them a number. And there would be a hundred cards that we had. And we went on a couple of occasions. We went all the way through those and back around again. And we would pass those out and we'd call the people up one by one. And they would go through triage. And in triage, what would take place, we would take their heart rate. We'd take their blood pressure. Dustin and Eric were primarily concerned with triage. I was the optical guy and Nate was the medical guy. He was the drugs man. And so he would go through and he'd count the pills or he'd pull them and he'd give them to the pharmacist, which is uh, Wani. Her name is spelled V-A-N-N-I, but she is a small Cambodian woman. She's like a little firecracker that was over there. She looks about 20 years old. She is actually 30 years old and has a one and a half year old. You'll see a picture of her. Then what they would do is once they went through triage, we would also ask them during triage, what seems to be your ailments? How long have you had these particular ailments? And they would give all the information. We'd staple that to their card, whichever card they desired. We usually gave them a choice of two, wasn't it, Dustin? Two of the clinics, they could either have a teeth, their teeth pulled or they could go to glasses or they could go med and glasses or med and get their teeth pulled. And so they would have two cards usually around their neck and we'd staple the triage information to that and then they'd go to wait and receive the gospel, usually in groups of about, I don't know, 8 to 12, something like that. They would get it under a little uh, canopy that we set up or underneath a tree and once they got that, they went into a waiting room and Pastor Ben Grisey from down in Sydney, Australia. He was the policeman keeping everybody in line and choosing one number at a time. Once they had their number pulled, they would either go to the optical, to the medication, see the doctor, or they would go to um, get their teeth pulled. 
and once they finished all that, then they were free to go. So that's kind of the method in which we uh, were presenting the gospel. The gospel was first once they got that, but then they were taken to that wedding, or that waiting area. Now, <clears throat> I need to tell you something, maybe embarrass the guys a little bit. Only Dustin is here, so he will receive the immediate brunt of this. <clears throat> yeah. In order for us to accomplish this, we really didn't take any money from the church. These men came up with their own plane fare plus $900 in order to go. Uh, once they got there, they would have some spending money of their own that they used. As far as what came into the church, there were $1,600 approximately that came into the church. 1000 of that we had to pay in order to have the privilege to go because we had to buy the meds. We were the ones that bought the meds, bought the glasses, paid for the hotel rooms, the transportation, the interpreters, all of that. That's what the money went for. We also used $600 of that to get transportation, $300 up, $300 back because we did not want to be driving all the way from Cambodia back down to San Diego from LAX. We thought that that was a good idea that we did not do that. And then, <coughs> excuse me, after that, these, you know, it, it should be recognized, and Scripture talks about this. The men who do something like this to give a sacrifice, they also took vacation time. So vacation time plus the cost to go, uh, Scripture talks about those who we're supposed to recognize that do this. I'd like you to turn to your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, please. I just want to look at that. If you don't have your Bible, I'd like you to pick it out one from the seat in front of you. And look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, beginning in verse 15. And by the way, here at Calvary Chapel, in case you're not familiar with us, we strive to do everything according to Scripture. If there's some type of ministry that we're doing, and there's a method involved that we make up, but what ministry, or what uh, Scripture says to do as far as ministry is concerned, we want to have a a scripture to back that up. We just don't want to do things on a whim. We don't want to make it up as we go. So 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 15 says, You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they had devoted themselves to the service of the saints. I urge you, brothers, to submit to such as these and to everyone who joins in the work and labors at it. I was glad when Stephanus Fortunatus and Achaicus arrived because they had supplied what was lacking from you, for they refreshed my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. And so that's why I bring up these guys. These guys had sacrificed in order to be a refreshing, a sweet aroma to those who are over there. We ministered to both Christian and non-Christian. Now, I did tell you that there were several trials, and the trials are to be expected. And, uh, you know, if you go on a, a trip like this, you can plan on being hit by the enemy. We were not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in the heavenly realm. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us about this. And by the way, if I, you think I'm speaking fast, I am. There's a lot that I have to go through, so I, I pray that you remain on the edge of your seat and keep your ears open a little bit. Also, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 21 says, The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but man is tested by the praises he receives. So when you decide you're going to go up to one of these guys and you're going to pat them on the back and say, Thank you, you did a wonderful work for God, it's so blessed you're going to put them through another trial. Now, that's not to say you shouldn't bless them by saying thank you. I just want you to be aware the trials don't stop 
when you come away from one of these. They will kind of taper off. They go up and they hold steady and then they go down. Uh, just in the midst of our trials there, even Pastor Drew, he came down with a respiratory infection while being in one of the houses that I'll show you doing dental work and he just got more and more sick. He missed one day of going out and also... Uh, Dr. Joan, she missed another day because she had the same respiratory effect. I was sitting with her in her uh, one day when she was uh, ministering and doing her doctoring and her nose is running and she's coughing and she put in one of those face shields just to make sure she could continue that day. Now, as far as our church here is concerned, most of you don't know exactly what we do here at the church. You give of your offering willingly. We don't receive an offering formally, but we operate according to what is put in the agape box. And I I need to refresh your memory on what we do or actually inform you if you don't know. We support Basilio Nunez in San Quentin, Mexico, the Calvary Chapel that's down there. We support Drew, Calvary Chapel Alpine that goes all over the world and delivers the IBS inductive Bible study as well as doing medical missions. We support Kent and Sherry Pixley. We support the Lakeside Help Center. We support the Pregnancy Care Center. We're currently going to be gearing up in August for Christmas on the Main. We're doing VBS here in August. Uh, There's soon to be a movie night that I think you guys had a meeting last week on. We uh, we donated backpacks to kids in Lakeside uh, this last year, and hopefully we can do that again. We do the Mexico Caravan Ministries where we go down and we build houses, as well as the teaching Sunday morning, Wednesday youth, Mondays and Thursdays, the home fellowship, and hopefully we'll be be able to add a few things to that. So to let you know, we're just not taking your money and stuffing it in the bank. We're using the church here as a pass-through to minister to others, either locally or far away. Now, with this... You know what, I'm, I'm just, when we go on an international mission, I'm going to jump ahead here. If we go on an international mission, sometimes there are people that say, why do you do that? Why don't you just minister to the people in the area in which you are located instead of spending thousands of dollars to go around the world? Why don't you use the people that are there and support them and get this done? Well, we do, but it is scriptural that we not only minister here, but we go to the ends of the earth. Now, I'm just going to read these to you, and you probably write these down. It says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter 13, 47 says, For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. So we are to begin in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, so to speak, and our Jerusalem is lakeside. Our Judea would be Santee and El Cajon and Alpine and Poway and areas north. Our uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria would be the state and the country of the United States and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. We're to go everywhere to deliver the gospel. So the reason we go is because Jesus Christ commanded this in his word, written by, uh, here I just gave you Acts, that's the author Luke. And so we're supposed to do that. And Jesus was our example in this. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease. And when he saw the crowds, he had no compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Excuse me. And if there's ever been a people that have been harassed and helpless, it's these Cambodian people. They are the poorest 
of the poor. And so that's who God has called us to. And by the way, if you've ever noticed it in Scripture, when the poor are harassed, God gets really upset. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, that was one of their sins, the neglect of the poor. And uh, one of my things that uh, I noticed going over there is that the poor in this country are not like the poor in that country. But it was odd that we'd drive by these shacks, and I mean shacks, the poorest of the poor, wood up on stilts, no furniture on the inside. Sometimes they'd have a platform of wood to sleep on, but as you drove by on the street, you would see this real small flash of a television as you went by. And it would be through the door, you'd see that television. And you're going, wow, they even have some of the comforts of modern society. But we're supposed to go and help them. And the last part of that section of Scripture, verse 38, says, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. People have been praying for uh, people like us to go, and that was met. Now, I'm going to jump ahead here a little bit more. Okay, let's just start with the pictures, Carol. Let's go with that. If you would take down the lights, leave these on, but take down these other lights. Okay, the four caballeros. Uh, of course, Nate there uh, doing a little comical pose. This is when we took off uh, Saturday night and we left a Sunday early morning. Now, for those of you who don't know where Cambodia is located, it is actually on the other side of the earth. There's a 13-hour difference. Right now, it's 10.15, about 10.30. If you just added two hours to that time, so it would be 12.15 at night in Cambodia. We are just the opposite. Dustin, have you had a hard time adjusting back? I have to sleep during the day, you know, is, is what we have to do. So this is Cambodia. You can see where it's located over there. It's just above Australia. But we are on the other side of the world. This is a little deceiving, but it is almost pinpoint the exact opposite side. <coughs> now, if you see the star Phnom Penh on here... If you go up towards the main sign, Cambodia, and over to Senmanaram, you see Senmanaram over there, all the way to the right next to Vietnam. It's the city that is as far to the right as you can possibly get on there. That's where we went. It is in the jungle. There is an actual rainforest jungle that's there. I saw three monkeys on the side of the road. How many did you see? You saw three monkeys as well. We asked some people about uh, other animals there. Were there tigers and lions and bears? Oh, my. But they told us that there were elephants and there were tigers in these jungles uh, that were there. That was according to Pastor Hung. So, going on. This is when we arrived at Phnom Penh International Airport. We're all just kind of standing around. We were hit with humidity right away. That is Pastor Hung in the beige shirt with a satchel around his neck. <coughs> Excuse me, you have Pastor Drew there, and right next to him with the pink backpack, that is Damaris, the doctor from Mexico City. Uh, there's Damaris and everybody, the horde that is in the van. Uh, in the back, that is Kim. She is from Calvary Chapel, Alpine, and you know everyone else. Now, this particular place, this is what we did. We got in the car, and we didn't even go to the hotel yet. We went straight to this place. This place is where Pol Pot. If you remember him, the Cambodian dictator, at the same time as the Vietnam War, he took people and tortured them. Now, I'm not going to show you the graphic pictures 
that we saw there. As we walked through this place, uh, I noticed and the others noticed there was a young woman. She was probably under 25, 20 to 25, and she was weeping going through these different rooms that were there. He would take people that were educated, people that had glasses, teachers and uh, doctors, and would torture them uh, mercilessly. This is toll slang. Now, this is a mattress that they would tie people to, and that's a piece of rebar, that long piece that's there, and they would chain them to the bed. Then they would take an electric cord, and unless they did exactly what they wanted, they would electrocute them on this metal bed. They would give them what they would call lashes with the electric cord, shock them, shock therapy. That uh, metal container there is an ammo box, and that was their toilet. And if they missed their toilet, they were beaten mercilessly. Uh, We're all standing there getting a lesson from Pastor Drew about what was going on there. In each one of these rooms, there was a picture on the wall of somebody who had been killed laying on the bed. These are the pictures of the people that they took, that they tortured over there. And as we just read in Matthew, these people were certainly harassed. They were harassed to the point of torture and death. Uh, In the rooms, they put up these little block sections, and they would chain them to the floor, and that was their sleeping area, as well as being tortured. They'd be chained up by the dozen in there. Now, this particular tree, uh, those are Buddhist beads that are on the tree. What they would do with the little children is they would grab them by the feet. I'm going to be a little graphic here, but they'd grab them by the feet and sling their head around to hit the tree to kill the children. Uh, These people, although they harassed, the leaders that took over were just as brutal as anybody could possibly be. Now, these are the types of things that they would tell them when they were chained up to the bed and giving electric shocks. Uh, You must answer accordingly to my questions. Don't turn them away. Don't try to hide the facts of making pretext this and that. You are strictly prohibited to contest me. Don't, Don't be fool for you are a chap who dared to thwart the revolution. You must immediately answer my questions without wasting time to reflect. Don't tell me either about your immoralities or the essence of your revolution. While getting lashes or electrification, you must not cry at all. Do nothing. Sit still and wait for my orders. If there is no order, keep quiet. When I ask you to do something, you must do it right away without protesting. Don't make pretense about Kampuchea, Kromin, order to hide your secret or traitor if you don't follow all the above rules you shall get many lashes of the electric wire if you disobey me uh, if you disobey any point of my regulations you shall get either 10 lashes or five shocks of electric charge or discharge and so they would and they would hike people up there's a board with a truss on it and they would hike people up and torture them by their arms behind their back and let them hang there and they would electrocute them and just like i said beat them mercilessly This is what it looked like. It was a compound. And this is right in the middle of uh, Phnom Penh, the city. Okay, we're moving on beyond that. This this sets up everything for how the people are harassed. And the education level of the people in Cambodia is very, very low. Uh, I even had trouble with an interpreter. The interpreter had trouble communicating concepts about the glasses and how to put them on and what you're supposed to do. They just couldn't connect the dots. They still don't go to school in the villages and the parents themselves are in the same kind of condition. This is a hotel that we stayed at inside Phnom Penh, Midland Hotel. This is our first meeting. We just picked up the other crew 
from Australia going around the table. You know Nate, then there's Dr. Joan, then there's Dr. Damaris from Mexico City. Dr. Joan is from Australia. Then you had Kaz or Karen. She was also from Australia. Pastor Drew on the right-hand side coming back this way. You had Pastor Ben Grise. Then you had Kim. Uh, Kim and, uh, don't tell me, Kim and Mike. Mike was the dental assistant that was there. He's 45 years old and has a one-year-old with Kim. They had all their kids in the last, what, seven years or something like that. Five kids, five boys. Five boys. And then, of course, you know these two other criminals at the end right there. There we are. We are on our trip to... (coughs) Actually, I think this is out of order. I think that's coming the next day we're going... Yeah, we're traveling to the new hotel, right? And on the way, we broke down. And so we sat there for about an hour, and we bought some of the local fruit, and we were parked right in front of somebody's house, and they came out and kind of checked us out. Uh, This is the arrival at the hotel. It had just rained there for a week every single day. We were kind of worried that we were going to get rained on, but God was gracious to us. This is the hotel that we stayed in. It wasn't a bad hotel. Uh, it was kind of nice for 15 bucks a day. We got breakfast and we got dinner there included in that price. Right outside of our window was a gecko that kept on chirping along with the rooster that would start at 3.30 in the morning and last until <laughs> about 6 o'clock in the morning. And that wasn't the worst of it. On the weekend while we were there, there was a Cambodian wedding that was set up. And Cambodian weddings usually last for about two days. And the music was so loud, there was no possible way you're going to sleep. Pastor Drew came over while the priest was chanting, and he said, do you appreciate the demonic chants that are being offered up by the Buddhist priests over there? And they were just about deafening. Not only that, but when we got up on the weekend morning, uh, we had the Buddhist temple, which was just a block away, and they had loudspeakers that were even louder, and they were chanting, and the, the, the rooster was going off, and then the dog started barking, there is no way you're going to sleep in this particular town. Uh, this is the first night we're at the hotel. We're taking all the medications that we have and we're dividing them up into individual um, doses that we can give out to the people. This is the morning devotion. The first day we're going out, we were asked to kindly move from this place because we woke up the other guests in the morning and after that we went outside. This is the first Orang village that we went to. This is our first day of service. Triage is taking place here. And the people have showed up. It's a little misty, a little rainy, but it was overall a good day. (coughs) Excuse me. Now, I want you to notice something. As Dustin is given a greeting here, you see the woman responding. There are particular ways to greet with the Cambodian people, the Khmer people. And by the way, a lot of these are minorities in Cambodia. They are looked down upon by the regular Khmer people. And the the way that you greet somebody that you just greet as a friend, a friendly gesture, is right here in the chest. Then your parents are here. Then a pastor or official is here. And then the king is here. So you don't want to get it wrong. You want to make sure you're getting it in the right direction. So Dustin is giving the proper greeting and the woman is coming back right here, which shows that she considers him a a pastor or um, somebody of higher rank, higher social class. And that's Drew. He's looking at people's teeth right here. He's getting ready to pull them out. And, of course, they're dividing up the drugs. 
at this particular point. We did that a couple of times. And this is the inside of the building. Now you can see the rafters are open. You can see the sunshine in the back. But this is kind of how we set it up. It is a concrete floor, but it is filled with dirt. And you're looking at the dental operation over there in the corner and one of the doctor's stations up here in the forefront. Uh, this is a tooth being pulled. Uh, and to watch Pastor Drew do this, uh, he had done it for several years. One day in particular, he pulled 450 teeth in one day. Uh, the numbers of people that we saw, uh, the numbers that actually went through were four to 500, would you say, Dustin? But as far as the stations are concerned, they went to 800 different stations, according to Pastor Drew, whether it was the glasses combined with the medical. Uh, so anyhow, he's pulling teeth there, and I remember sitting next to Pastor Drew, and he grabbed a chisel, and he grabbed a hammer, and he was chiseling on the tooth to get it out. Every time I'm just, and then you see him grab the tooth and the person's head is going back and forth. And I'm just going, wow, this is, uh, this is pretty amazing. <clears throat> now, that was the local fanfare that was there to greet us, a water buffalo. And they were just walking around everywhere. And, of course, that was the next bacon stop. Uh, for the people of the little village. And by the way, you'll see the cows, you'll see the pigs, and you'll see the dogs all running free. And each one of those is a food source. Uh, they just let them run until they have a desire to have some meat, and they will call any one of the animals and use it. Now, this is the next day. Uh, we are moved outside for our devotions, and we're listening to those. Every person had a responsibility to give a devotion or a message. And everybody passed with flying colors from this place. Uh, we are on the road to our second place. This is about an hour away, but that kind of gives you a look for what's going on. Now, on the right-hand side, you can see pine trees. They have deforested, I would say, hundreds of thousands of acres, right, Dustin, of the tropical forest. They have tore it out completely, and they have planted back pine trees as well as rubber trees. They're just thousands and thousands of acres of both but they've gotten rid of the rainforest in many areas this is uh, the uh, Dakdam village this is one of the houses that was there and I'm sure this has a dirt floor and has a raised <coughs> excuse me <coughs> a raised area in there where you'd sleep on boards now in the first village we were in we were trying to find boards to use as a table for the glasses. And as I picked up a board, there was a spider on it the size of my hand. And it decided it just wanted to move off to the side. So if you're a little squeamish about insects, this definitely isn't the place for you. Uh, now, this is uh, Dam. We had to walk up to the church on the hill. There is a, street, a, a steep path that leads up to it. But uh, that is Joan carrying some water there, Dr. Joan. And that's the path that leads up to the hill. It's hard to make out how steep it is, but it's pretty steep right there. Uh, a little more, a couple of pigs, little piglets right there running. And this is where we worked, right next to triage. And this is in another church. This is a church that's on the hill. <coughs> and again, it's concrete floors in there. And if you ever want to complain about pews, this is teak wood that they would come in and sit on. And we went to this particular village twice. Uh, two guys sorting some pills there before we start. That's Pastor Ben and also Nate. Nate's writing down the dosage and the type and the expiration date, and we're se separating the pills. We're praying before we begin here. 
It wasn't too bad as far as heat was concerned that day. Uh, this is triage. Now you can see Dustin over there. He is currently handling in this picture a uh, thermometer to stick in the ear. Now some of the little children, uh, Dustin had one, I was sitting there, I would observe when we were waiting, but some of the children, one child saw Dustin coming. <laughs> and he didn't want anything stuck in his ears, and so he saw him and what, he cupped his ears, right? At that point? Yeah, and then and then they do the squiggling worm when you're trying to get the, and they start breaking out into a scream like don't you dare touch me and the mom's trying to hold the child it was quite an event we should have videoed it a couple of times that happened now this is how they took care of the rice uh, it's just out there right outside the church and they are uh, trying to dry out the rice that they had harvested and there was a pig I think I have a picture where he's there he is see him in the background Way back in the corner, he's going for that rice. And he wants to just start gobbling up that rice. Now, it rained here, and they had to cover over the rice. But this is the evangelism. First it was to triage, then it's to the evangelism. And there, I don't know, we have eight or nine. But we had, on that particular day, do you remember what we had? hundred something? About 110. 110 people that day that came through. Uh, These are the dental instruments. In case you long for the dentist... There you go. You can get your satisfaction. Everything that's there to pull teeth. And of course, I wanted to give you some candid shots of the people that are coming through. Yeah. Now, this was an event. This is the marketplace. I'm not going to show you a lot of pictures from the marketplace, but as I told Dustin when we were going through there, the smells were unique. And they were ubiquitous they were everywhere uh pretty soon as we're walking down here you got duck eggs you got chicken eggs you got fish in bowls uh now if you notice the ravine in the bottom at the bottom of the marketplace there was sewage going through there and it's right next to the vegetables and on the right hand side is the meat and we're not sure what kind of meat it was but it was covered in flies just everywhere and by the way just on a side note the kitchen that we ate out of left the meat out and the meat was covered in flies so that's you know you just get along with the culture and how they do it there farther up they were working on the streets and there was sewer pipe in but down below at the bottom there was not now if you want some steelhead you could get some in a bowl uh, just sitting right there and we had one of those brought to our table one night fried whole and we just busted it apart and had at it. A lot of bones, by the way. And we're walking through. I'm trying to pick up the rear there. You never know what's going to take place. Then we get to Kiyosama Village. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, this village, it was hot in that house. I was thankful that the optical was outside. We worked out of the uh, Montero that was there for the optical, but everybody else inside, and it was very hot. And this particular house had a toilet, which was nice, but not a toilet like you would think. It's a hole, and you have to use the hole uh, that's there. And it was tiled, and there was a, a hose in there, so everything was wonderful. Now, see, he's holding up the cards and telling the people what the cards are all about. And we're getting ready to perform triage right there. This is first thing in the morning. Now, here is what the optical looked like. We lined up the glasses. These are all reading glasses there. In the pink, you have the distance glasses. And so we only had a few but uh, we were trying uh, to accommodate everybody. Now, just as a side note right here, 
This is a pouch. See this pouch? We give these away with every set of glasses. And these were made by Calvary Chapel, Sydney. Now, if you ladies and men, uh, we could use about 500 of these. Uh, I have the sample up here, but it's a great thing to put their glasses in. And I have some stories about the eyes as we go on from there. What time is it? Okay. Then here's Drew again. Uh, now, Stephen, he is a gringo Cambodian. He went to Calvary Chapel Bible College and decided he was going to go to Columbia. But God had different plans, he said, changed a couple letters in the name Columbia to Cambodia, and he ended up in Cambodia. He is married. He is in charge of how many kids? Nine? Seven? Seven kids? And he's taking care of them. And he doesn't have a job outside the church there, does he? And he's taking care of all these kids. And they are his nieces and nephews. One of them's his own. And by the way, his wife, while she was there and we were up at our current hotel, came down with tuberculosis. And he was with us and she was eight hours away. Uh, this is uh, Wani. She is the firecracker pharmacist from Cambodia. Uh, her father died when she was extremely young. Her brother at that point became a monk and she was left with trying to help her mom provide for the family and she ended up scoring high on scores, uh, on test scores and she was able to become a pharmacist. And just some more pictures of the people there. And by the way, the infant mortality rate here is 50%. One woman had a baby. Dustin, do you explain that? Were you the one? She had a baby. How many days did the baby? It was... Was that three days? Baby survived three days in the village. There's no medical care there at all. There's no stores. You know, they have to go... And the stores are... They have stores, but it's like water brought in and put in front of a house, and you can buy that, or... Uh, soda, you can buy soda uh, there, but there's no refrigeration. I saw more than once somebody carrying ice blocks uh, to different places. <coughs> now, <coughs> excuse me, some of these people, this woman uh, right here, there was one woman that came through. How old was she, Dustin? Is that Doc Dam, I think? 80? Was she 80? But both of us said, there's no way she's 80. She looked 50, right? And, and so trying to guess the age, the person was usually older than you thought. But because of the environment, it does wonders for the skin. So if you want to rejuvenate your skin, you would go to Cambodia, right? Now, you know, happiness. Uh, there were still a lot of laughter and joking with the people there. This guy looks a little stressed. Uh, but he did end up getting some glasses from us. We were able to help him. Now, this woman, if you had to guess, Dustin, how old would you say she is? Probably 30. Yeah, I would say 30, 30 plus, but she is hardly four foot in height. Uh, just the diet and everything else, sometimes the people, that, we were giants in the land over there, and most of the people were below us, sometimes by a head. Uh, the police officers who were there, they seemed to be equal to us in height and stature. Drew was head and shoulders over everybody. He was behemoth. 
the Jolly Gray Giant is who he was. Now, I don't know what green material is in that bottle, but she was enjoying it tremendously. There you go. And they're, they're waiting there for hours, just waiting to get some service. Now, do you know what that is? A <laughs> centipede. I happened to be behind the house at this particular point, and I saw a chicken running across uh, the backyard and holding this thing. And it was squirming. And this is about, it, you can't really tell there, but it's about 10, 12 inches long. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful. And the chicken was determined to eat it, you know. Another guy uh, getting glasses. And they're waiting, like I said, there for hours just to get through triage. There's a group of them. And normally what they do, if you notice the woman with the beige cap on, she has her right sandal off and her left sandal is missing. She's sitting on her left sandal. But that's how they will arrive. And you see those rocks down there? Kids were running across that like it was nothing. I am a tenderfoot. I was just saying, ow, watching them. But their feet are so calloused on the bottom, so roughened. Because they would also work in rice fields and the mud and all of that. And everybody's feet were just like Fred Flintstone. They were tough and rugged. A little boy there, he has a toothbrush in his hand. Guess where those toothbrushes came from? You guys. We had 800 toothbrushes over there. Another young girl. Uh, and sometimes people would come up and they would desire glasses. They just wanted them. And uh, we didn't want to disappoint too much. And so sometimes we just gave them out. And that's the crew. Uh, 18 of us total. Plus, I believe, the people from the house that opened it up. <coughs> That's Pastor Hung. How tall would you say he is? Five, four? Five, four. And he's a little firecracker, too, and he doesn't speak very good English. And I, I happen to be riding shotgun when he would want to talk. <laughs> Dustin gave up being in the back seat. Because he could only get about every other word, and he, you wouldn't use the proper tense or, you know, of a particular verb or something, and you just kind of had to piece it together, and you're going, okay, but he was smiles all the time. Yeah, yeah. He was just all over the place all the time, uh, full of energy, and the, he has his own testimony. Uh, he gave it to us the last day when we were eating uh, dinner at his house, and just a fantastic guy. This is his son, uh, Hin that uh, came along with us and he also speaks English is going to go to TI now this is another incident the enemy didn't want us traveling too far and so uh, they forgot to put the radiator cap on the radiator after filling it full of water Uh, so we broke down a little bit out and we took our drinking water and threw it in there now this is Voju Village now these names I had Pastor Hung write down in case we disagree on the spelling. Uh, this is underneath a house. There is no toilet here. Uh, that's the wash basin for anything they want to wash up with. And the dirt here is moist, red, and sticks to your feet. A little girl that was there. And a little boy. And again, they waited for hours. <coughs> now, in this particular building, they had deforested some behind the house and they hopefully will have a church built in that area uh, the next time we show up there. All the little kids. Now see, they're just walking around on the dirt. It's like it's no big deal uh, around there. And they don't have diapers. 
They just let these little kids run, and they will just pee wherever they are. Uh, the little boy there. Um, now, I want you to look real closely at this woman's neck. She has the goiter the size of a grapefruit that is on the front of her neck. That is where the thyroid gland is inflamed and infected. There's nothing we could do for her on that. And if she was to have surgery to remove that, she'd have to be on thyroid medicine for the rest of her life, which would be an impossibility where she's located. Uh, another gentleman getting some glasses. He has a set on trying to read the chart. This is where we kept them in line, and Pastor Ben was the policeman calling out the numbers in order. Waiting in line to be serviced here. Here's the same woman, and I believe that was her husband, and he could hardly walk and hardly see. He has a mask on because it is believed he had TB, tuberculosis. Uh, and she was helping him get around. And she d really didn't care about the goiter. She just went, what did she want medication for? Do you remember? It's mostly just headaches and dizziness. And that was common. Headaches were common. Stomach ailments were common. Female problems were common that they had over there. Now, this young woman here traveled from 100 miles away. This is back in the town uh, behind the hotel. Dustin and I were privileged to go. The other two guys, there was only so many room, uh, so many seats for uh, in the Montero there for us to go in the van behind that. And so Dustin and I were privileged to go. She came and visited the family at this particular house, and she was Buddhist, and she wanted to uh, accept the Lord. And so Pastor Hung gave the gospel. These are two pastors to the left here. Pastor Drew is praying for her. She, I think, was plagued with seizures as well. Stephen is the interpreter, and they're burning on top of that little Coke can there a amulet that was worn around her waist to bind the spirit, so to speak, uh, which is taught in Buddhism. And so one of the acts when they um, convert from Buddhism is to burn that, and that's what they did. And Drew's praying for her right there. And I think that's her mom or it's a relative that also accepted the Lord right there. Uh, some of the other people... This is the blood pressure being taken. We'd strap that around their wrist and they do it automatically. Now this is the deforestation that I talked about. I took several pictures while driving, but it was difficult to uh, get a really good one. All the trees are being cut down and there are, are whole sections of the city that cut up the wood and sell it for firewood and for different things. They have a lot of teak over there. Now, tell me what's wrong with this picture. In the United States, if you did this, you would probably be arrested because you cannot carry an acetylene tank with an open valve. It has to be secured to the vehicle, strapped in with a cap on top of the valve. And if he was to go over, everything, the bike and the canister would go flying uh, and it would cause some damage. But that's how they did it. Like this one. That is a full-size engine. It looks like it's out of a Mitsubishi or something, and it's hooked up to a pump. That's the red thing that's on there. It's a water pump, and it has four wheels. So it weighs hundreds of pounds. And this is one of their trucks that they use, these little motorcycles. We saw one uh, little motorcycle like this, and it was covered 
five feet up, five feet on either side, front to back, full of baskets and weavings, and you could hardly see the guy inside the little motorcycle. And Pastor Hung said he would go around the country for two months at a time, sometimes sleeping on the side of the road, sometimes sleeping in a village, in order to deliver their goods. This is inside Phnom Penh. (coughs) Eric was trying to fit in. Uh, but, you know, I, I saw the color match, and I said, you've got to get up there and stand between these guys. Long Tren is on the left-hand side here. We are now friends on Facebook. Uh, yes, they have Facebook. And he was drinking uh, soda and, I think, a Red Bull or something over there, which just kind of seemed out of place. But, um, you know, we struck up a conversation with him. They were happy to have a picture taken, and hopefully... Uh, you know, over time we'll be witnessing uh, to Long, who is on the left-hand side. And this is down by the banks of the river, uh, Mekong, Mekong River. If you remember the Vietnam War, the Mekong River Delta and the Mekong River, it is there. And it is highly polluted, very polluted over there. This is all of us standing in front of uh, the palace. This is where the current king lives. <coughs> Excuse me. This is the boardwalk, and the king, if uh, you see that lit up structure right there that's on scaffolding, there's a picture of the king on front of that, and if you went towards my right, towards your right, you would see the palace. And this is the boardwalk, that, that is the river uh, Mekong right there, and when it rains, the water goes all the way up to the top there, that's how much it rains there when it does rain. Now, this is out the back of our hotel, the Midland Hotel in Phnom Penh. And if I would have taken a picture, I didn't do it at the time. There is a nice pool on this level. There's a workout room. It looks like any hotel that you would be in here in the United States. But looking right over the edge, if you look up in your right-hand corner, follow the end of the green building, you will see somebody is squatting, cooking their meal on the dirt right there. Uh, Was it you that leaned over and saw the rats that night? And, and so there's rats running around everywhere down there. What's that? Like 20 or 30 rats. It's all over. Yeah. Now they are living. Yes, they're big. They're the size of cats over there. Uh, they are living in this green building, and they live on the boards that are there. And all that trash that you see, and that is trash, is what they throw out. There is no trash pickup service per se. Uh, the, the trash, the rubbish, as the Australians would say, It's just everywhere, just like Mexico, Uh, even worse in some cases. Uh, Now, this is Pastor Hung's church. Uh, Pastor Hung, there's a whole testimony behind this church, but somebody just gave him the money to do this, a complete stranger. He had a little bit that he had saved up. But the church is on the left-hand side, and his house is on the right-hand side. And this is in a new section, a master plan of Phnom Penh. These are the kids waiting for the triage. The triage is right in front of you there. Uh, that is Dada, one of the interpreters with the hat on with the stars. This is Pastor Hung giving the gospel before they go through anything. Now, these children here, uh, Dada is to the left. I didn't have a lot of pictures of the interpreters that were there. But he ministers to these kids. These kids are all orphans. And they happen to come over 
and he was singing them a song, and I grabbed a guitar, and we played together for these kids, and they sang, and the, a lot of the songs that we know, actually they're a little bit older songs that we know, but they knew them in their language, and they would sing them, but they had a little bit of time before they had to go back to school, and school for them is six days a week. They get two hours off for lunch, and they go back, and I think that here every other week we have a half day on Friday for professional growth, and I mean, they are into it over their education inside the cities. This is us having our final meal with Pastor Hung, and it was quite a spread uh, that was there. The food was delicious the whole time, but I know that a couple of our travelers, when they left there, said, I'm not going to have rice for months when I get back, you know, so rice and noodles, but I, I just love that food that was over there. And this is a team. We're missing Dr. Joan here. I was, are we missing anybody else? Uh, is, oh, Dada's not there, and Caleb was my interpreter. He is not there. Uh, he had left, yeah. So uh, he actually came back, but... And that's Nate's girlfriend. <laughs> okay, can we have the lights, please? I think that's the last... Yeah, that's the last picture. <laughs> Okay, so that, that was our trip, and in some of the areas that were over there, we would minister in, uh, for instance, Doc Dem, uh, there were 90% Christians there, so we were ministering to the saints, and some people would object and say, but it's only temporary what you're doing, and that is true, but you know, Jesus said, to whomever you give a cup of cold water in my name, you're doing it unto him, right? A cup of cold water is a temporary fix. And so we go over there to minister the gospel, and the pastors, the indigenous pastors, are the ones responsible for their care and their uh, spiritual welfare over there, and that's who we turn them over to, but we use the clinic to get the people there, and they are eager to come, and then they are eager to hear the gospel. There is one particular, um, I forget which village it was, I think it was Voju, that we went to that 90% were not believers, they were Buddhists, and all of them accepted the Lord. Now you might say, now wait a second, they're just going to do that because you're giving them free medical service. That's not for us to determine. But they made a verbal confession, they said, yes, we want to follow Christ, and that's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to be responsible for counting the actual conversions, which ones are true and authentic and which ones are not. Our job is just to give the gospel. That's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to be responsible for closing the sale, so to speak, as the world looks at it. And we just want to minister to them. So there was tremendous fruit uh, that took place over there. And these people who live there, the interpreters as well as Pastor Hong, they gave their time, money, their effort uh, to support what was going on. Lord willing, we'll be able to go back uh, to do this. Now, what we do over there certainly is to deliver the gospel and to pray for those people who needed prayer. And by the way, there was, there was a lot of darkness over there. Uh, the whole country is covered in darkness, and it's the liberation for the darkness that is necessary, and that's the good news that we were supposed to bring. Now, most of you know what this good news is. This good news is that we are under judgment from God. We are under sin. That's why the world is such a terrible place at times to live in. Although we can have joy while we are here, it is still a lost and dying world. And so we bring the gospel. And the gospel is, because of our sins, we are under judgment. And everybody in this life is destined 
for an eternity in hell. Matthew chapter 25 verse 46 clearly states that. That some will be resurrected to eternal life and some will be resurrected to eternal punishment. The punishment is forever. It doesn't end. And heaven is forever. There is not a third category. It's only those two categories. Scripture says if someone repents and accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, they will not, as they are destined to do, spend eternity in hell. They get to live forever in heaven. The responsibility that we gave to the people was to choose. I'm giving you that same choice right now. If you don't know Jesus Christ, there's only one of two places to go. We don't cease to exist. We don't go to sleep and then forever not dream. It doesn't work like that. God says we remain conscious for eternity, and there's a place of suffering, and there is a place of rest. That's the way it works. And as uh, evidence of our salvation, we repent of our sins. Not that we become perfect, but we turn away from the ways of the world. That is the gospel. Now, Romans 10, 9, and 10, I've said it to you a million times, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and with your mouth that you confess and are saved. The evidence that you are saved will come through love, love expressing itself in action. You will be willing to lay down your life for somebody else just as these men did. Nate, I see you. I hope you're feeling better. Good. Uh, You can talk to Nate about his experiences and Dustin afterwards as well. But I, I don't want you to go from this place without completely understanding the gospel. It is necessary that we grab onto it and we take it, that we do what Jesus asked. First John that we're going through and we'll continue with next week talks about those who love me keep my commands. And that's not just the Ten Commandments. It's the commandment to love. And the two greatest commandments are to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. If you follow that, that is evidence that you are saved. So do the examination yourself. Are you given more towards the world? Or are you given more towards Jesus Christ and everything that he stands for? If you are and you have said that prayer, then you are saved. If you're not, I would encourage you to repent and say, I need to follow Christ and everything that he stands for and long for his appearing. You do that simply by saying a prayer like this. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Please save me from the coming wrath. I know that you are able to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Or I receive the forgiveness that you offer. Now, what we're going to do is the worship team is going to come up and we are going to receive communion. We're going to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Go ahead and come on up, Kim. As she and Cheryl are singing this song, if you have not accepted Christ, I would encourage you just right now to say the prayer. Just say, Jesus, save me from my sins. It doesn't have to be elaborate. There's no formula given in the Bible per se to do that. You just must believe and then turn from your sin. That's all God requires of us. So as she is playing this song, the men are going to pass out the cup and the bread. And as they pass out, hold on to it. And if you haven't accepted Christ, just ask him to save you from your sins. If you guys would come forward and grab this, that would be great.